when it is important, when the person matters, when you care about the person, you can listen. When we talk about if it's important, we will listen, what goes into that judgment? That anticipation can either be great, can't wait, all the way to the last person in the world I want to open their lips and make a sound is about to speak. Welcome back to Unapologetic Rebel Rousers. I'm Doc Shelley. And I'm Carla. And this time we are going to be talking about listening. What? I know. <laughs> okay, ready? Are, are, are you okay. ready? Okay, wait a minute. Okay. Okay, we're going to talk about listening. Okay, okay. listening. I'm going to listen to you. Yeah, okay. And I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, this is following on the episodes that we just finished, looking at mutual respect. Yes. And there's a really good connection between these two topics because listening really comes from a place of respect mm-hmm. for the person who is doing the speaking. One of the things that we've talked about in getting ready for this was how we never really get taught how to listen, what goes in to listening. I mean, think about it as a kid, told to be quiet, don't interrupt, the adults are speaking. <laughs> and be Ka- quiet. <laughs> Cat Stevens had a song and the line in there was, from the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. But we, there were no guidelines about what that really meant. So we want to explore that. Yeah. No classes on listening. <laughs> All kinds on speaking. And yet, how important is listening to the speaking process? Really interesting. <laughs> it is. It is. And so let's talk a little bit about what goes into listening. And one of the things that you've mentioned has been that when it's important, we listen. Yeah, I know for sure when it matters, you have the skills and abilities to tune in, to listen. When it is important, when the person matters, when you care about the person, you can listen. And so those are transferable skills that you can use in other situations. (laughs) (laughs) So we talk about if it's important. So there's two sides to that. There's the person who's doing the speaking, and there's the person who's doing the listening. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about if it's important, we will listen, what goes into that judgment? First, is it a topic I want to hear? Is it a conversation I, I would like to be engaged in? Because we're not talking about a speaker who's up on a stage and making a presentation and you're listening or not, though we'll probably talk a little <laughs> bit about that. <clears throat> but... You get pulled into a transaction that is an exchange of thoughts, ideas, whatever. It's kicked off by one person and isn't going to involve at least one other person. Unless they're maybe just speaking to themselves. And <laughs> have you ever done that? Have you ever? It's like, shut up, both of me. So I have a t-shirt that says, I talk to myself, she gets me. <laughs> That's a classic. I know, I love it. Yes, okay. <laughs> so so when we're looking at what makes a conversation important, what makes it important to listen to what's being shared in that conversation? And that influences whether or not I'm going to make a choice 
to respect you with my attention? That's kind of how it works. Yeah, and I can't help but think about the Arbinger Institute's amazing book. On This is not a plug. I'm not getting paid. Leadership and Self-Deception, Getting Out of the Box. In that book, they talk about how do I want to be seen and how am I seeing others? So if I think about as a speaker, how do I want to be seen by you? So if we're in conversation and I want you to think I'm the smartest person on the planet, I'm probably going to be talking to you like I'm the smartest person on the planet. And I don't really like to hear from the smartest people on the planet because they usually come across as very condescending, very demeaning, like I don't know anything, like that little pat on the head, aren't you a cute little girl, go be quiet, is kind of what goes through my head. Um, But if I come at you, I might be the smartest person on the planet on that subject, but if I come to you in conversation and I want you to see me as a collaborator, as a peer, Mm -hmm then I'm going to have a very different tone of voice. I'm probably going to be a lot easier to listen to. So when you're in conversation, it's something to think about is how do I want this person to see me? And if it's a healthy way, they're probably going to be, you're going to be easier to listen to and they're going to pay more attention to you versus I'm going to be a jerk to this person. I'm going to show this person how it is. I'm going to teach them a lesson. Like there's all sorts of way we show up for people that make them not listen. And I believe that we fall into patterns of engagement in conversation that begin, those patterns begin to influence how people are anticipating what's going to be coming next in terms of a conversation. (laughs) And that anticipation can either be great, hungry, can't wait, all the way to the last person on the world in the world I want to open their lips right now and make a sound <laughs> is about to speak. How that influences the consideration, the attention, the respect that is offered to the person who is delivering the message. Right, right. I, I used to work with somebody who would say, do you have two minutes? Two minutes was never two minutes. I once had a a leader tell me that one of the things she most admired about me was how I guard my time. And I never really thought about how I guarded my time. Time is valuable to me. I don't have a lot of free time. (laughs) So when you say, can I have two minutes? I will give you two, maybe three, four minutes. But when two minutes turns to 10 and 15, every single time you ask me if you can have two minutes, why are you not just saying, can I have 10 or 15 minutes? (laughs) Because after two or three minutes, I'm checked out. Not listening anymore. The other challenge that I I have learned that I have over the years for myself in listening and that I've been working on for forever is I'm a very fast thinker and I'm a fast creative problem solver. And so when people come to me, particularly in the work setting, they come to me with problems a lot. Amazingly enough, most people do not actually want my help in problem solving. They just want me to listen. But I've actually started asking that question. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to help you problem solve? Most of the time they say, I just want you to listen. But asking that question helps me turn off the problem solving part of my brain so I can sit with them in conversation and just really listen. Because the problem with being a fast creative problem solver is I have determined you have 32 problems. I already have half of them solved for you and you think you only have one problem. (laughs) 
Which you're not even talking to me to solve. Right. Because I've solved it and I've moved on. <laughs> so I'm already thinking about what's my next meal. <laughs> so there's a lot of triggers and there's a lot of habits that we have that prevent us from being good listeners. So I think it's really important to think about what are some of the triggers that you have? What is preventing you from being a really good listener? Because what I can tell you for sure is it feels really good to be on the other end of a good listener. Absolutely. You feel seen, you feel heard, you, f- you feel respected. You feel valued, yeah. So we think about what the different patterns might be that we see around us or those that we, and, and I'm going to invite that people might check this out as you're going through your next couple of days with meetings or engagements with friends or whatever. How do you listen differently? What, what are the things that influence the way you are listening in these various situations? Are they patterns that you've recognized are from this other person? So you've already fast forwarded to how this is going to go. And it's like, I don't even want it to start. <laughs> that there isn't ever anything valuable that comes out of this person's mouth. So here goes another few minutes of time I'll never get back. Is it that you so enjoy whatever this person brings into your life that you'd listen all day long if you could. So what are some of the patterns you have as a listener, the judgments you make as a transaction of conversation is apparent? Here it comes. And you get ready for it. You can see this in meetings. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You can see this in meetings in terms of listening. There, there's this notion when people are leaning in, you think that they're interested. They're actually just waiting for that one half second when you've stopped speaking in order to take a breath for them to be able to interject. Have you ever seen that before? Ugh. Have you ever done that? Every meeting I've ever been in my <laughs> entire life. <laughs> you, think of, you think about those kinds of signals that you're getting. So I, I actually, I have two tests that I do. Go ahead. I, <laughs> I know. We'll talk about interrupting later. I got later. so excited. <laughs> I will never forget. I was in, in a one-on-one with a leader. She was a leader of a leader of mine, like not my direct leader, but yeah. above that. And she was on her laptop and she asked a question. And I, I knew she wasn't listening to me. I knew she had zero interest in having this one-on-one with me. And so, so I answered her question then I asked a question and she's clicking away on her computer and she goes you can go ahead I'm still listening and I said oh I was waiting for you to answer my question and I said clearly this isn't a good time should we reschedule and she said no I'm listening and I said then can you answer my question and she looked at me and she goes oh what was your question and I said to my point this clearly isn't a good time you're busy we can reschedule when you can have time to join me in conversation she was pissed (laughs) Well, you call somebody out, right? But I was like, literally, it was like just awkward silence. And I thought, I'm good with silence. I am good with silence. And I will sit here and wait for you to answer me. And it was probably a good close to a minute before she said, you can keep talking. I'm listening. Are you? Yeah. Are you really? <laughs> it's a, That's a great story. That's a great story. But I thought, you've missed everything they teach in... I mean, obviously, it's not listening 101, but like leadership 101, when you have one-on-ones, don't be distracted. Put your phone down. Don't be in your laptop. 
all of those things that they try to get you to do because you need to have meaningful one-on-ones with people. You don't do any of them. <laughs> There's, there are so many examples of that. And it happens in families. Oh, for sure. For sure. You see those advertisements that show everybody sitting around the dinner table looking at their phones. <laughs> I was just out with a couple girlfriends the other day, and there was a table that had um, three children, young, and they were all on their iPads, and the parents were both on their phones. And we, none of us had our phones out. We were, crack, we were laughing and having a good time. And one of them said, I can't believe that, that family went out to eat, and no one's talking. <laughs> well, I have a family dinner right. out. It was so funny. <laughs> It, and one of the kids was so absorbed in her iPad that she walked out without the without her coat. And we were all saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, you forgot your coat. Finally, we got the waitress who then grabbed the coat and took it. To, they were so ingrained in their technology that they couldn't even hear us saying, hey, you forgot your coat. And it's interesting that we have to put boundaries up around around that. We worked together in an organization where... The senior leader, who was a brilliant leader, asked that people not have their telephones and their laptops going when there would be a gathering of the leadership team. And whenever she was in the room, that was how everybody was. They were fully focused, or at least they pretended. They were not <laughs> distracted by any technology. But when she wasn't in the room, right back to the old habits Cats away, the mouse will play. I guess. But think about the impact of that meeting and how people were engaged, they were listening, mm -hmm. versus I'm going to be sitting here on my phone and in my technology, which as much as people think they can multitask, they're missing stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I think that also is something that leads us to the notion of interruptions. Yes. So interruptions happen for a variety of reasons, not the least of which would be well, I have absolutely no idea what was just being discussed. And so before they get into asking questions about what we should do, I'm going to change the subject. Or that person is going down a great path of insight and such, and I, I can pick it up, and I want to be the one that gets to run with it because, damn it, I wasn't the first one to start it. So, but I'll end it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So interruptions in somebody to somebody who's speaking, but then also interruptions in your listening. When... When you're listening and you're not engaged, you're not actually actively listening, you're hearing. You might not even be hearing. Yeah, questionable. So you just go someplace else. You see that. You see that in meetings. You see that mm -hmm. in conversations. You can get that blank stare. So interruptions is another not respectful activity. Even just, I'm a head bobber, I'm a, you know, nodding along going, yeah, 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 I agree. Even that can be considered an interruption. And when people say, yeah, or mm-hmm, which I do, you can hear it sometimes in the podcast, that can be an interruption for people because it can interrupt the thought that they have to maybe change directions. And I try it in my coaching sessions. I remember very early on, I worked with a coach and he uh, had observed a coaching session and he said, do you know how many times you said, uh-huh, or, mm, mm, oh. And he said, I know why you think you're doing it. You think you're acknowledging the person and you're in conversation. And he said, it is so distracting. Stop it. And so the very next coaching call I had with that client, I had all over, it was a phone call, so I had all over my office walls, 
no uh-huhs, no mm-hmms, don't like just be quiet. And we got to the end of the coaching call and the coaching client said to me, are you okay today? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, this is the best call we've ever had. You didn't, you, there was no like uh-huhs and mm's and I just, I feel like I really, like I just was really able to say everything I needed to say. And I thought, damn it, he was right. <laughs> wow. And it's really, it's stuck with me in certain situations, very in casual conversations with my friends. I don't pay that much attention to it, which I probably should. But it was really a prolific moment for me that particularly in my profession in coaching what I do to sit in silence and let somebody talk and tell their story without any head bobbing and uh-huh's and mm-hmm's and ooh, oh, wow, really impacts their ability to your saying of the 100% like that gives them that ability to share what they want to share 100%. One of the things that we've chatted about, which you had a little issue with it. <laughs> that, and I believe we, we covered this in a previous episode, but that when we're having conversation, I'm 100% responsible for what I say. And for what you hear, I can't do anything about what you do with what you hear. But it's on me that you hear what it was I intended for you to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I like the 100% part. It was the and piece that was like, mm. <laughs> but as I thought about it, and really thinking about Again, going back to that Arbinger, who do I want to be? Who do I want you to see me as? That really influences that and piece. Because if I want you to think I'm, you know, if I think about in the workplace, there's a lot of people flapping their feather, flapping their feathers. No. <laughs> Fluffing. Fluffing their feathers. People want to be seen as smart, as intelligent, as I'm the best person on this team. There's a lot of competition that's not healthy in the workplace that just doesn't need to be there. But but because people are trying to claw their way to the top at, at all costs, they come at conversations and they put people down by just by the tone of their voice, by the words they choose. And when you come at it a little bit differently is I want to be seen as a team player. I want to be seen as collaborative. I want to be seen as a good leader. Then you, that and piece of what you just said absolutely makes sense to me. <laughs> so, how do you want to come across as a speaker? How do you want to perform as a listener? Yeah, how do you want to influence your listeners? I think it's a great, great question to, to contemplate. And we'll come back next time with some more uh, tips on listening. I'm Doc Shelley. And I'm Carla. Thank you. See you next time. How do you want to perform as a listener? How do you want to influence your listeners?